have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are, you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I'm old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill, those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate the them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, it, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You have done great things. Who is like you, God? Though you have made me to see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with the laugh. Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long, for those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. Amen. Thanks, Sandra. Keep your Bibles open there as we go through this word. Uh, what comes to your mind when you think about old age? Uh, the world paints a pretty beautiful picture of old age at times. Uh, I mean, have you seen an ad for a retirement village recently? Uh, there was one that used to play uh, at the cinema near my old house, and, and the ad paints this picture of retirement being the best years of your life. Uh, there's this lovely, happy music that plays uh, as people have a great time in community together. Uh, they're laughing and singing, having cups of tea, playing tennis, playing cards. It portrays that old age is this unbridled bliss. Uh, the world tells us that our whole lives are lived for these golden years at the end. All the hours you've worked, all the money you've saved, all the time that you've slaved was paid for you to live abundantly at the end. 
uh, that you can age gracefully throughout your life in order to live abundantly at the end. It's a pretty good picture, isn't it? It really gives purpose to uh, the trials of the rest of your life when you can see what you can achieve when you're older. Uh, But when we look at our world around us, we see a very different picture, don't we? Often age is plagued with pain and suffering as our bodies begin to decay. As we grow old, we are confronted by our fallen bodies. Old age can often be difficult in a way that it isn't on our screens. Well, as we come to Psalm 71 today, it paints this second picture of old age. And in it, we see David show what, it, what faithfully following God looks like through the trials of old age. Uh, So as we start our psalm together, let's pray together for our time looking at God's Word. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your Word, that it speaks uh, to all aspects of our life. As we come before your Word today, we pray that you would have our hearts and ears open to what you have to say to us, that you would be speaking uh, through me, uh, and that by it we may, with our lives, declare your glory. We pray this in your name. Amen. Uh, David begins with a plea to God. He's crying out for deliverance, deliverance from shame, deliverance from the wicked. And as he cries out, he looks to God for his refuge. In verse 1, he says, In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command, Lord, to save me, for you are my rock and fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the evil and cruel. Uh, From here, David reflects on his past. He, He reminisces on the hope and the confidence he has always had in God. He reminds himself of his dependence on God from the second he was born. What begins as a cry for help transforms into a song of praise. In verse 5 he says, For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From my birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I've become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. After this praise, David turns again to God in prayerful petition. As he looks on the hope that he has from his youth, he pleads with God to be faithful to him in his old age. He says, do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire against me. They say, God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered in scorn and disgrace. It's quite a different picture of old age, isn't it? It's not this uh, golden years picture that our world gives us of being able to rejoice in retirement where we can finally enjoy our life. 
Uh, no, this picture here is far more somber, but it's far more true for so many people. Or, or perhaps David's words even resonate with you. The portrait David paints is of the weakness of old age. Uh, David honestly explores that shame uh, can come through old age. And, and while we might not be quick to talk about it, we all know what David means by this, don't we? We know that as time goes on, our bodies begin to age and decay. With each passing day, all of us become more acutely aware of our bodies breaking down. As the years go by, we all face the effects of the fallen world that they have on our bodies as we come to terms with the withered hands of arthritis, the frustration of failing hearing. Uh, the strained expression of the dementia sufferer, the pain of loss of mobility, and a host of other ailments that affect us as, as we grow old. And we can feel ashamed, can't we? As the things we used to be able to do, we are now dependent on others to do. And, and these effects of the fallen world, uh, they begin at an early age and they continue to erode at our bodies our whole life until we feel unrecognisable from the people we once were. And David shows that when we're weak and frail, that's when cruel people try to take advantage of us. And can't we see that today as uh, scammers try and target the elderly to swindle them out of their money? Rather than being the golden years at the end of life, old age can make us ashamed as we end up dependent on others. Uh, this psalm reminds me of my grandfather. He, his name was John. He was uh, a loving grandfather and father, a wonderful husband, but most importantly, an exemplary Christian. Uh, Grandpa was a pharmacist here in Brisbane who was highly regarded in the industry. He was part of the team that launched uh, Blue Care Nursing Service, the healthcare agency of the Methodist Church. Uh, he dedicated hours of his life and was generous with his money to help those in need. And he did all of this out of his commitment to God to be like Jesus to those around him. Uh, but towards the end of his life, Grandpa was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Uh, he lost the ability to walk and uh, developed a tremor. He became dependent on others for uh, food and his showering. And in the end, he ended up in higher level care at a blue care nursing home before passing away in 2010 of pneumonia. Our grandpa has always been one of my heroes. And our world tells us that heroes like my grandfather should be venerated at the end of their life, a reward for a life well lived. That's just not true of life, is it? Many great people will suffer at the end of life like my grandfather did and feel ashamed. Uh, but what do we mean by ashamed? It's not like I or my grandfather were embarrassed by his last years. Uh, no, this shame is a human reaction to our fallen condition. You see, as, our body, as we age, our bodies grow weak in so many different ways. And as our bodies grow weak and begin to give up and die, we are confronted with our mortality. We're confronted with the fact that, that this was not how we were supposed to live. Because it's confronting to see the effects that sin have on us, isn't it? In fact, the consequences of our sinful nature, they're shameful. 
That's what we mean uh, by feeling ashamed. And growing old is confronting because we come face to face with the reality of our fallen condition. I, I know many of you will be sitting there now with someone in mind whose last years confronted you with mortality. But perhaps it's yourself or a friend or a parent or a grandparent. We all understand that we weren't created to live like this. And so we feel ashamed of what sin has done to each of us. That isn't where the psalm ends, is it? In a shocking twist, where David's situation seems hopeless, he actually has hope. See with me in verse 14, he says, As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. David's hope comes from God. And it's not some fragile hope, it's an undying hope. He will always hope for, in God. And haven't we had a marvellous picture of that this week in the Queen's funeral? The Queen's, Queen's funeral was filled with this hope because the Queen's hope was an eternal hope. Her funeral was all about praising God more and more. Her funeral told of Christ's saving acts from start to finish, and it pointed to the hope of the resurrection. Her final act as queen was to point to the King of Kings. The funeral that was seen by more than half the world declared the hope we have through faith in the Lord Jesus. It's a beautiful reminder to us as we consider faithfulness in old age. And out of this hope that David has and the Queen had, uh, David returns to his song of praise. His praise is a reflection of the righteous deeds God has done for him. David is confident to proclaim the goodness of his God. But, but how out of all this hardship can he have such confidence and hope? Well, he says in verse 17, he says, Since uh, my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvellous deeds. Even when I am old and grey, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. David has confidence because of what God has taught him and what he now declares. David's confidence is in the marvellous works of God. And hadn't David seen some marvellous works? As God saved him and Israel uh, from Goliath and the Philistines? Or when God saved his life, even when Saul and his men hunted him to have him killed? Uh, there's so many times that David could look back on and reflect and see the faithfulness and righteousness of his God. And because God had always been faithful and dependable and righteous, David can declare the power of God. And, and do you notice something that's really beautiful about this passage? See, David isn't pleading with God solely for his own deliverance from shame. Primarily, God, uh, sorry, primarily David wants to be able to declare God's mighty acts to all who are to come. And so because of the past, David confidently turns to the present. He sings of God's righteousness and holiness. 
And in all of this, David can finally declare that the God, his God will restore his life again. He says in verse 19, Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things, who is like you, God? Though you have made me see troubles many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honour and comfort me once more. David finishes with a declaration of future praise. From the broad brushstrokes in the beginning of the psalm, he now fills in the intricate details. He details exactly how he will praise. And how he finishes is a really incredible turnaround in this psalm. Because at the beginning, he's pleading that he may not be put to shame, he may not be ashamed. In the middle, he prays that his opposers may be put to shame. And as he concludes, he states that in light of God's faithfulness, his opposers have been put to shame. From verse 22, he says, I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, I whom you have delivered. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long for those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. It's a beautiful psalm, isn't it? A, a psalm that begins as a song of lament, transforms into a psalm of praise and confidence. And it's so encouraging to see such confidence in the midst of his difficult circumstances, isn't it? Isn't it? And we don't have to be old to relate to this, do we? We can all step back to see how God has been faithful and provided in our lives. And it's not some vague provision where God is just orchestrating the big stuff. He is intimately and intricately involved in each one of our lives to bring us home to himself. And we can be thankful that the older we get, the more evidence we have of God's faithfulness throughout our lives. As we age, we can see how God has been powerfully at work through it all. I love this quote from Tim Keller about God's provision. He says, God is not like some chess player just casually moving us pawns around the board. But it's not often not until years later what good God was accomplishing in the difficulties we suffered. God is working in our lives, in the goods and the painful to draw us to himself. And don't we have even more reasons to be confident in God, grounded in the hope that he has given us? Because the entirety of scripture tells a story of a God that we can trust. A God who is faithful and holy and righteous. A God who has revealed himself to us in the words of his scripture a God who's made promises to us from the beginning of time and a God who fulfills these promises in Christ Jesus. As our Lord God Jesus dies on the cross, we find hope of rescue and deliverance fulfilled. As Christ rises again, we find our confidence that no matter what sufferings we go through in this life, God will deliver us into new, perfect, eternal life. 
Uh, So when life's trials and tribulations are wearing on you, look back to Christ, the one who walked through the greatest trial on our behalf. And from there, we can be renewed in our hope and confidence. And now some of you may be sitting here today and the word, you're hearing this psalm, but the words aren't ringing true. Maybe it doesn't feel like God will deliver you from your current suffering. Or, or maybe you had a friend or a family member taken from you at an early age and, and you can't see how God would have allowed that to happen. And it's right to feel upset at loss. It, it's right to be angered by the state of the world that people die younger than they should. But Christ has given us hope. Because Christ conquered death and has made a way for his people to be saved from the shamefulness of mortality and death. Christ on the cross vindicates those who experience shame in the suffering and death by offering eternal life. In Christ we have hope. And let me tell you a short story about this hope. A few years ago my cousin Nicole died at the age of 47. And Nicole's parents were told... uh, when she was born, that she wouldn't live a few, more than a few days after she was diagnosed with a congenital heart disease. And she went on to live a full and happy life despite her health battles. And her life was a life lived selflessly, giving to others and being an incredible disciple of the Lord Jesus. At her funeral, we celebrated a life lived for Jesus. We also celebrated new life where Nicole's prayer for the miracle of a new body would be answered as she was given her new eternal body with God. And even at the funeral, as we celebrated Nicole's life, people found out about the good news of the Lord Jesus, who died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. And people who had never read the Bible before were given a copy of this book that had so profoundly transformed Nicole's life into a life of selflessness and joy, even when you looked at her circumstances and thought she had every reason to be bitter. I wanted to share Nicole's story because I think it highlights three really beautiful things. Firstly, no matter how long we live, a life lived for loving Jesus is a life worth living. Uh, Secondly, you don't know how your life might impact those around you and you don't even know how powerfully God will use your death to bring people into his kingdom. And finally, even though we would have loved Nicole around with us for longer, we can celebrate that God has vindicated her from her suffering by uniting her eternally in Christ Jesus. Uh, But how does this passage speak to us uh, who are going through life now? How does this psalm address the shame we feel as our bodies slowly break down and we feel like we have nothing left to give? Well, I think we have to rethink ageing. Because I think many of us believe that the goal of life is to get the most out of life, to find enjoyment in every moment of life while we still can, or perhaps to work really hard at our job so we can achieve a lot and have a lot of adulation, or any number of things that may involve doing. But the older we get, the harder it is to do things, isn't it? As our bodies begin to decay, we can't do what's what we once did. And so our purpose as followers of Jesus can't be to do stuff. So what really should be the chief end of our life? Well, I think the Westminster Catechism's first question and answer best explain what the chief end of life is. 
Uh, for those who don't know, it says the chief end of humanity is to glorify and to enjoy God and to, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And I think regardless of our age, this is a far better goal for our lives, isn't it? Because it's not about doing, enjoying God and bringing him glory is a part of who we are in Christ. I've been doing an assessment the last couple of weeks on the Feast of Tabernacles, and as I looked at the feast, I saw some of the reflection of what enjoying and glorifying God uh, can look like. God tells Israel to rest and reflect and rejoice. And these are such great principles that lead us to glorifying God and enjoying Him, aren't they? Because rest is a, a precious commodity in our relentless society. And when we rest in God, we glorify Him because we reflect our, our utter dependence on Him. And, and when we rest, we should reflect on God. I, I think we often think of reflecting of God as a time of deep study. Now, studying God's Word deeply or reading lots of books about Christianity, that's great, don't get me wrong. But particularly for those in old age, it can be hard to enjoy God through intense study, can't it? For example, if your eyes or ears are failing, it might even be impossible. But spending time with God can be done in so many ways. Even sitting quietly, just reflecting on God's grace thinking about God's marvellous deeds. That's enjoyable, isn't it? Now, I love just basking in God's awesomeness and, and considering what an amazing God we have. Reflecting on God gives us time for our knowledge to stir our souls and to enjoy God more. And out of our rest and reflection, we rejoice in God. We rejoice as we sing, but rejoicing is so much more than that. Rejoicing is us reflecting God to this world. As we rejoice, our joy points to God's glory. In old age, there's plenty to be bitter about. But the people who point me to God the most are the elderly people who, despite their plight, are happy. They enjoy God. They live joyfully in the hope of their resurrection bodies. Their example helps me to enjoy God. Their lives glorify God and they spur me on as their brother to do the same. I didn't actually finish telling you my story about uh, my grandfather before. See, my whole life, my grandpa was deteriorating with his condition. So despite the fact uh, that he did some amazing things with his life, my hero was actually the man who suffered well in old age. My favourite memories uh, of him are singing hymns with him in a Bible study when I was younger or sitting in his room listening to sermons with him. Uh, my grandfather never preached to me, but with his life, he enjoyed and glorified God, even when everyone in the nursing home around him were bitter in their suffering. Grandpa rested, reflected, and rejoiced well in God. He enjoyed God and glorified him to the end. And Grandpa's enjoyment and glory given to God that's what declared God's righteousness to me. So enjoy and glorify God because that declares God's righteousness to this world. And when the suffering is painful and the going gets tough, hold on to the hope that God will vindicate you when you are united with him in eternity 
and glory. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that, um, that your word speaks to all aspects of our life and that we have a hope and confidence that whatever we go through in life, uh, we can rejoice in you. Uh, help us uh, in our sufferings and as we age uh, to reflect you more and glorify you well uh, so that the world would know your name. We pray this in your name. Amen.